The following Roadshow podcast contains strong language and listener discretion is advised. Rowers tend to use invective and colourful language to explain even the simplest points. This Roadshow podcast is no exception. Welcome to The Roadshow. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. There's a crucial role in South Africa. Passion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. Hello, ladies and gents. Uh, you got uh, me and Jakey here again for another epic episode of The Row Show. Jakey, Jake? What's up, guys? It's awesome to, to be back online. Uh, I know it's been a bit of a while, but uh, yeah, Lawrence and I are really keen to talk about this weekend's racing and also a bit about last weekend, weekend's racing, and that is specifically Henley. Yeah, Flip, man, I'm excited to get into it. I think uh, now that there's been some racing this season, we're starting to establish like where the where the big crews are and, and who's on form and not on form. So there's quite a lot to look into, and it's really exciting. Um, you yeah. weren't even you weren't even with us uh, for the last uh, episode of Regatta Madness. I had my brother James on. Uh, I got so much good feedback on that. So actually, we nearly didn't even get you back, Jakey. Yes, it was tough. I had to. I to fight for my place back in the row show, but uh, I'm glad I've reclaimed my spot. Uh, I'll try and make sure that I won't miss a, miss another episode, but uh, I was, at the time, probably flying through the air or something. So, yeah, but I'm back in action. Yeah, and it was really cool to, to watch you race and to see you out there on the course banging it down. So, really awesome. Banging Jake. it down, yeah. Thanks, um, man. No, it, was, uh, it was a good weekend of racing. So I think the way we're going to run the episode is we're just going to cover a few of the, the big highlights or, or, the to- or the things that we like, really, really liked about Henley. Uh, and then we're going to move on to the, the hype train part of the episode on this weekend's uh, third Rowing World Cup in Rotterdam, Netherlands. But I think obviously as we talk about any, uh, we might go back quite a lot to the racing at Henley for the racing that we're talking about on the weekend. So we're just going to do the few, a few highlights not going to Henley too much as well. There's so much racing there. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much racing you managed to keep up with there, Jakey. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I watched a fair amount of racing at Henley. It's always like, a, it's an awesome regatta to actually watch. And I think, uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely puts its name out there in uh, leading by example on, in ways in which, you know, uh, rowing events can innovate on just getting publicizing events, making it accessible to worldwide audience, because that's the one thing I appreciate about Henley, it, it knows that it's a worldwide event and it makes the, the watching of it so easy, basically the YouTube stream is live and you watch every single race live and I think that's amazing, I mean you can watch right, any schoolboy event right up to the premier uh, events where the best people in the world are racing each other and I think, you know I just I just love to see that because that's, that's what our sport needs and um, hopefully, you know, keep going forward with this and maybe start seeing it at uh, other events, maybe in some FISA events, because, I mean, it's great because it's really accessible. 
Definitely, and I, and I think that they've uh, Henley's upped their game quite a lot in the last few years, especially on that aspect of like delivering the racing uh, to the bigger public. And I mean, it was really epic to just sit and uh, watch racing all day long. I was more saying like the, the difficult part of Henley is that there are a million events and it's yeah. like, it's just, I mean, to keep track of everything and like everything has got its own name and it's like uh, own rules and different levels. So from that side, like I think going through the review, like going through the results, it's like, it's quite so technical and like quite complicated, but I mean, the racing is just another level and you wouldn't think that one-on-one racing, you would think most of it would be uh, quite straightforward, quite boring, but I mean, it's really is epic. And I thought the commentary on the weekend, once again, uh, Martin Cross and the team just really nailing it out. Like uh, just so much info, so knowledgeable on all the schools and all the varsities and the people racing there. So I think uh, that must have been a big effort for them to, to get on top of, of all that information. Yeah, I think, uh, it, you know, it, it obviously it's a lot to, to go through because like you said, there are so many different events, but um, I think it, it goes a long way because um, I mean, it's awesome. I think it, it also when you when you give a bit more um, a bit more attention even to the lower events, it does create each event has its own little culture, its own little story. You know, uh, often you see talking points. You know, people talk about uh, all sorts of different events, not just elite ones. I mean, the biggest one uh, that was from last year is um, the the schoolboy eight. Um, it's you know those are that's still you know be talking about. Know how they're growing it's great to see uh, coverage of the best schoolboy eights in the world actually growing there and um, it's nice because it brings a new dynamic to lots of different events on many different levels and uh, I thought uh, the commentary team was on point like you said really keeping us informed um, and uh, you know when when the, when there's a quite a comp- complex regatta like Henley it, it always helps having uh, some guys that just giving you a bit more of a lowdown just to be able to guide you through um, got you through the yeah definitely so let's let's i mean you mentioned there the the princess elizabeth challenge cup that's the schoolboy eights that's the schoolboy eights race so let's start off with that because i mean i think i mean a part of it for me is like that's a that's a big one to to watch and a big one to to pay attention to it's almost like for me it's one of the bigger races at, at henley because you know there's nowhere else that i watch Oh, aside from like South African uh, schools rowing, it's not really. There's nowhere else I really watch schools rowing, so I think it's always cool to to see the like quality that the the top schools in the in the world. And I mean, obviously GB is playing a huge part in those schools, but just I mean they're also bringing in other schools from. Uh, I mean, Scotch Scotch College from uh, Australia was bloody impressive. So yeah, you're seeing the best in the world of the under 19s really. Yeah, I think um, it's awesome to see because uh, it's it's great to see like that kind of talent at that level, and uh, it really when you watch that things you go wow you know you can really appreciate uh, the the where you know in the next couple of years you start maybe seeing one or two names popping up, and uh, again like well, like you said I mean obviously the the most obvious thing about Scott College was they was their outrageous mullet haircuts I don't know how they get away with that it's cool I don't know maybe it's holidays for them. But I could never grow my hair long at all, so I don't know how they managed to uh, get away with that. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, and then also you know it's great to see, and it's also nice to see things change. I mean, the Scotch College beat St Paul's, which is also the big name in that event, and that was a bit of an upset. And then in the final, 
uh, Eton College came out on, on top over Scott College, so it was it's quite an interesting regatta, lots of twists and turns. But uh, yeah, and also obviously congratulations to Eton College on, on winning that. Yeah, so I mean, I heard some disgusting stats about Scotch Scotch College. They uh, apparently the average oak time in their boat is six or five. I don't know if I believe that. I think that might be uh, some extra spice getting added on by down the grapevine. But that is absolutely outrageous for schoolboys to be batting out power that much. But on the flip side of that coin is every Australian we've spoken to is pretty damn thug on the ergo. So I would, it wouldn't be too surprising that their juniors are batting out some, some big times down there. No, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, you know, when Oaks, when you talk about Oak times, you know, people spice it up a bit. But, uh, and also, TSA, that's what we heard, we don't know. But, I mean, like you said, it's Australia, and the Australians crank some mega Ergo times. So, if that's true, that is outrageous for schoolboys to, to be to be pulling that fast on the Ergo time. It's actually, it's quite impressive to have a, a schoolboy program that can produce kind of those kind of physiological... Um, Benchmarks. Yeah, and then like going into, I mean, you mentioned when uh, when they won uh, the semi-final against St. Paul's, and I mean for me that was actually one of the ra- the races of the of the whole week is is that uh, semi-final, and because it just sort of showed the contrast between like I thought St. Paul's were rowing like exceptionally well, they really were textbook for schoolboys. I mean, I did not row like that at a at a school level, not even remotely close to that. Um, so that was very cool to see them rowing so well and then Scotch College just like literally opposite like banging this thing down the track huge length just so much aggression and like not like a huge amount not like not textbook rowing just like just aggression and length basically that's what it looked like and uh, and it worked for them and they managed to to ravage the race and and come away with a win there I mean the stroke man is, is hips were berserk like from the beginning I was like yo this guy's not gonna last very long row like this and then straight through the middle of the race straight on to the end of the race almost like a um almost like the the Aussie pair at the moment like that kind of aggression or or um trying to think where who else like the Romanian eight from last year where they just really yeah. went berserk from the beginning and berserk. just yeah. absolutely about holding on to to big speed through the middle of the race so yeah, it worked for them, but I think then they were a little bit toast in the in the final because Eton then really did damage to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's another element about Henny is like because of side by side as knockouts, like the, your progression, you could land up against really strong guys early on in your progression system, and that plays as a, a, a role um, in in how how fresh you're feeling in the final. But another. Moving on, I think another huge talking part about the weekend is uh, we're going from schoolway eight to um, the elite men's eight, where uh, the New Zealand New Zealand beats um, GB, and uh, that was that was uh, really really interesting result. Um, it's nice, obviously, for New Zealand to get a bit of confidence going into this next World Cup, and obviously there's a bit of a change up in their in their seating order, and it seems like it's working for them. But the question is, Lawrence, how much can you take away from this weekend's racing in terms of looking forward to the next uh, this, this, the World Cup coming up now? Listen, Henley is, is crazy. I mean, Henley is mad. The, the warm-up doesn't make any sense. There's ships and rowing boats and 
paddling boats and barges and everything that you can imagine up the warm-up course so like the prep and the like getting onto line in a normal compared to like a world champs or a, or a rowing a, a world rowing event it's like opposite ends of the spectrum but you still dice down the track and you know, i mean the, that part of it is i think teaches you huge uh resolve and like that is really difficult i think a difficult part to get right is like the ability to just now everything is not running perfectly everything is not uh about the athlete's uh performance and about the, the this is about the event and about the spectators and about everything else uh you you are you're the main event but you're the you, you you're not like the you know we're not worrying about you getting onto line in the, the perfect environment so to be able to string all those together and then put down a performance like that i think is really big and i really like the way the kiwis rode and that's the first time we've actually seen them for for a couple of years now like really lay down an absolutely exceptional row so i think they're definitely getting some things right there but i mean i don't know how that how much you can take away from this race going into into the the rotterdam world cup and i mean now you're adding a whole lot of a whole lot more crews and you know it's and it's already in a, such a tight environment so i don't know i feel like part of me thinks okay no this is this is going to be a, a game changer for them and they're going to come with uh with that extra bit that extra little gear and, a, and, a, and an extra little bit of bit of spice for the racing but i don't know if they will be able to translate that good result into into straight away into this weekend's racing yeah i think it's it's uh, like you said there because of all the conditions and stuff I mean, obviously, you can take a lot of confidence knowing that you can execute a, a great race, especially when the conditions are rough. But you know, um, and you also another another element I always find is like you never know what teams are doing in terms of their their, their training and their race preparation. Like you don't know how they're approaching, you know, the the, the taper. And I think that's with the premier crews when uh, that we got to see racing at this World Cup. I think that has an element going in. I mean, that GB crew, how overcooked were they? Were they overcooked? Um, but uh, without a doubt, if I was sitting that New Zealand eight, I would be brimming with confidence because GB uh, the GB eight came uh, was second at the last World Cup. Uh, I mean, yeah, at the last World Cup, which means that they putting themselves right up uh, in the front of the field. But that's what so, I'm saying, though, Jakey. That's what I'm saying is that maybe you know, like maybe GB came into this race. It's a one-on-one race, and they go, "Cool, we just raced these guys two weeks ago, and we hammered them. They weren't really like." that much of a threat to us so let's go out there we put a big start down and we just hit our rhythm and that should do the trick like i mean i know that these are professional athletes and like no one is is taking their races that lightly but i'm saying even if you one percent off in that eight i mean that's what we discussed in regatta madness is that like some of these events are getting so close that if everyone doesn't rock up at a hundred percent you don't win yeah and it's the small margins that make a difference and we've spoken about how in the past the men's eight how important maximum maintaining maximum speed is because in the in the race you can't shift it a lot so if you're not ready at the beginning of the race to go ballistic or you, you're lacking a bit of explosive power it's going to cost you and it's going to make a huge difference down the track um, and I just I'm just looking at the New Zealand date and they've you know they've had a bit of seating change they've put Hamish back in the boots in the two seat and I think talking about Hamish and my head in the eight I think um, more time will means in my head the New Zealand eight will get better because I think the two of them just from the experience they can take and the confidence and 
just the, the philosophy they have about the, their successes in rowing in the single and the pair, over time, that's going to have an exponential effect of the rest of the eight. So I exactly. think, uh, you know, definitely, definitely to watch New Zealand eights. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but uh, I can see here they are racing against each other in the heat of the World Cup this weekend. So it's going to be, I mean, you got to pay attention to that heat because they're going to have a rematch in the, in the heat. So it's going to be cool to see. So and I mean I mean and I definitely think that New Zealand looked a lot better. They look way more together, way more clinical and precise on their on the movements and the and the and the of the eight guys down the down the boat. So I think maybe their crew changes have really worked and like that and and if that's the case of their more speed, them having that extra speed, then I think they're going to be very dangerous coming into this next week. And I hope that we see the same QE eight come out to race. But I mean, there are ten entries. For the men's eight, uh, no, eight entries for this weekend, and there's still crews missing, and you're really looking at this top five Olympic qualification spot, and I mean it's tight in the top five. I mean you already yeah. have uh, Romania; they've proven they've had some speed. New Zealand coming online. The Dutch we haven't really seen them uh, have a good performance, but we've seen a lot of noise coming out of them, so they could be easily be at the top of the the pack. Yeah. Germany. GB and Australia who've made changes to their eight as well. So uh, I think we're going to see a really exceptionally tight uh, close A final, I think. And I mean, the USA crew here that we look at, that's not the main USA crew that's racing this weekend. That's the under-23 eight that's come out to, to race this World Cup and then go on to, to under-23s. So yeah. uh, we're still missing a couple big eights. So I think that this, this men's eight is going to be a crazy race by the, the end yeah. of the week. No, for sure. And I think uh, at the end of the year, there are going to be some big names not, uh, not uh, having secured their Olympic spots and there are some big crews. So, yeah, that's going to be uh, a cracker uh, of, uh, of an event to watch. But just moving on from there, I think uh, obviously it's pretty cool to, to mention and to see that uh, um, Kerry Gala and Grace Pentagos uh, doubling up and winning in the, the Hambledon Pairs Cup. And I think the Remingham um, Cup. I don't know how to pronounce that. So I, I think it's I think it's Remingham Remingham Challenge Cup, women's eight. Uh, yeah, so New Zealand winning that, and that was really exciting as well because like seeing uh, and they actually crushed that event. It was really really cool. Their eight was so power. I watched them race some poor Dutch girls earlier on in the week, and it was absolutely brutal. It was like two hundred meters into the the, the race. You know, they're coming out the other end of the island and they're putting links into this crew already. And I yeah. think by like the halfway mark, they were just cruising at 18, like just look like a steady paddle. Um, yeah. <laughs> I felt pretty bad for the, the crew that lined up next to them. Because I mean, often if you line up against a crew that you know you're not going to beat, you're just going to blitz it out the block, see if you can get up, see how long you can hold the, the lead for and then and then go down. But these, these poor girls didn't even hold the lead for one stroke, so... Uh, that was pretty brutal. But yeah, really cool to see uh, uh, Gaula and Pentecost, uh, Kerry and Grace jumping into the eight. And I really hope we see that carrying on through the through the rest of the season because, I mean, the, the qualification spots for that is also also really tight. And we want to see, I mean, it'll be cool for, for New Zealand to qualify. And that's exactly what they said to us uh, when we had them on the row show. They said that that's why they doubled up in 2015 to really try and get this eight qualified and they managed to do it. 
So I, I, I think that's just going with the, the same idea as before. Yeah, and I think uh, it makes sense in my mind, especially how dominant they are. And I think, obviously, now that the uh, the Canadian women's pair is broken up uh, from last year, it obviously takes a little bit of pressure off them. So I feel like it's more it's, it's more reasonable to, to do it at World Cups. And I think, you know, it, it would be some serious ammo putting them into the women's aid. It would be awesome to see. And I think we're starting to see this, like, this theme of, and it's quite a, I think it's quite an interesting concept to, like, even chat about is that like if you have good athletes um and you have a like you have a selection of of athletes to choose from this year particularly like obviously all the other years it's about making the podium it's about getting the gold medal especially the olympic year but this year there's like that twist of like okay well qualification is huge as well and like is it worth sacrificing some performance or some results to get more qualification spots so like i mean we're going to get into the the australian team and how they've changed their pair that won uh the second world cup and the eight now they've they've put josh uh, booth back into the eight and like it just looks like they sort of trying to play their chips to get the the boats to get as many boats qualified not necessarily i mean and obviously you don't know the the reasons behind the coaches decisions but it's just like I think it's an interesting uh, thing to like think about or to to discuss because, I mean, is it worth coming fifth instead of second to qualify two boats, or or second instead of first to qualify another boat? Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think at this at this level for the coaches, I think I would definitely say that it makes way more well, it makes more sense trying to qualify. Uh, as many boats, if, even if that means sacrificing maybe uh, a medal uh, in one event or even a higher medal, I think uh, it's yeah, it makes more sense in my mind because it, it provides the federation, the coaches, and even the athletes more selection opportunities going into the Olympic cycle. So as an athlete, you look at the opportunities you have, and obviously it makes it, it you have more opportunities if there's a pair of a, a pair of four and an eight that's going to the Olympics, that's way more selection for you rather than a pair and a, a, pair and a four and that logic being that you just focus on two events. So I think it does make a bit of sense. But um, it's, it's also a gamble that like might not pay off. You know, this just now they like, you do something like this. Obviously, if you have exceptionally good athletes, the chances of it not paying off are, are, are less. But like, if you talk about like, I don't know, uh, maybe some smaller countries that try this out and then you, you miss the qualification that yeah. I mean, that also becomes like that's it's quite a tricky spot to be in, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I would definitely say it's the, the the big nations with big depth and big names. It definitely suits them because uh, that's not a gamble you would take if you're if you're a smaller ranked nation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for for countries like you know, have GB Australia. We're talking about Australia, New Zealand. That it, it does make sense, and especially I think Australia rowing team at the moment is on fire, so it makes a hell of a lot of sense to, to split that up. Yeah, so I'm like I'm so excited for this weekend's racing. Though there's going to be some crazy cool racing uh, happening in you know so many events. It's like I mean we can't even really cover them all, Jakey. Yeah, no, it's 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 tricky, but uh, we all we all do our best. So, and, um, but yeah, maybe to, to yeah, okay. round off. Just to round off the, the heli chat, you know, a couple more shout outs, I think. Another big 
big element of the weekend, which was awesome to see, was the the first time in history that the, a, a team from China has um, has won a, a Challenge Cup. That was the Princess Grace Challenge Cup, um, and that was in the women's quads. And it was awesome to see a Chinese team uh, win there. And I think uh, that's the effect of having Stephen Redgrave, uh, Sir Stephen Redgrave. Uh, they're just, you know, trying to push the Chinese rowing team a bit more globally because they've got exceptional talent. They've already shown at these a couple of World Cups now. So it was also great to see them winning there. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's very cool too, to just see that, like, uh, the, like, scope of the regatta. I mean, obviously the hype of the regatta, that's what's brought uh, China to the regatta and really cool to, to see them. And, I mean, that quad is, is really, really strong. So I'll be impressed... Uh, to see if anyone can can roll with them during the, yeah. the next World Cup. But, I mean, I, I doubt it. I mean, the Chinese team, especially on the women's side, is really, really strong at the moment. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Then the last, um, like, pure Henley thing that I wanted to, that I think we should chat about, I mean, unless you've got other ones, Jakey Jake, but uh, is the King's Cup, which is quite a cool event, and it produced, like, one of the best races of the weekend, or of the week. Uh, so the King's Cup... Jakey, maybe you can uh, give in some more insight, but it's basically a military um, race, and it was last held in 1919, so 100 years ago, won by Australia, and they made like quite a big uh, hoorah about this, and it was a mixed race, so I think each boat had six men, two women in the boat, and the final was between USA and Germany, and it was incredibly close, and it was such an epic race to watch. I mean, it literally was level pegging down the whole way and with USA only just starting to squeeze on Germany right at the the end of the race and I mean there wasn't not much in it at the end yeah so yes and uh, I mean what's awesome about this is like it's got it's rich it's got a rich historical perspective and how it was the, the story behind it was um, for after the, the the first world war once uh, uh, you know um, it was over there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of troops, Allied troops that were stranded in Europe. Uh, like talking about the Australians, they had, um, it says, had over, you know, around two hundred thousand uh, soldiers that are left in Europe, and they, it took them a long time to get home. And I think also just the fact that after the First World War, yeah, the, you know, any sense of normal life was completely broken. I mean, you know, people were recovering from war. Uh, uh, people were, you know, there was a whole lot of political uh, tensions that rose up, and also these different, this very like um, messy environment. And I think Henley, in recognition of that, and also because a lot of the team, a lot of uh, the rowers were in the war, so a lot of the teams didn't actually have rowers. Uh, a lot of the clubs and stuff were the rowers were were killed in the First World War. So to change it up, they introduced um, they introduced uh, two. It says here two events the, um, that were specifically designed for servicemen of the Allied armies, um, and they, the the first one, the premier event was the the eight, and like you said, the Australian won. Australia won. And they beat Oxford in 1919, and like you said, it's uh, reintroduced. And another awesome point about it, they've added uh, two seats in that eight uh, are occupied by women, and the rest are by uh, by men. So again, Henley is bringing in this innovation into the to, into the events, and like Lawrence said, the, it was probably the close, the best race to watch in terms of a, in terms of how close it was of the weekend. 
So, I mean, awesome stuff. And it's, it's really, it was actually uh, awesome to read up about it. Yeah, Jakey Jake coming with the history there. That was really awesome. Uh, and I yeah, think it's like, yeah, no. it's just cool to, to know the history behind these events. Like you're watching these these two awesome events, uh, two awesome crews come down the track and then to like realize that actually there's, there's a whole lot of stories behind uh, behind this event is, is very, very cool. Yeah. So talking about soldiers and hardcore athletes, let's go into the lightweight women's double and uh, chat about oh, that yes. for this weekend. Uh, a huge yes. set of entries um, going down. I mean, there are a lot of big names to, to race this weekend. So yeah. I think that once again is going to be a huge uh, event to watch. And not only the A final for the medals, as we're speaking about, that Olympic qualification for the lightweight women's double is top seven. So that's really, really tight between that's only the that's first place in the B final that goes to the, the game. So that B final is going to be also crucial to watch to see how close it is and who's getting that uh, that Olympic spot and uh, and putting themselves up there and like it only happens at the world champs so we still got a little bit a uh, little bit to go there yeah and uh, like I've said in the past this is the gladiator event and uh, there's some big names this weekend uh, no, most notably is the returning combination of Marika Keza and Ilse Paulus in the Dutch uh, lightweight double they're going to be a huge threat in that field and uh, we saw that New Zealand have been doing really good training off season winning and a very probably one of the, I think the closest margin of the last World Cup, just beating up China. Um, so I mean this this event is stacked, and uh, you have the Romanian double that's coming into play. Uh, that that's that's going to be a, a huge um, a huge addition to the to the field. And um, yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy. I mean they they're going to be ready. You know they're going to be medalists and stuff that aren't going to be going to the Olympic uh, Olympic Games next year. Yeah, so that's what I was. I was joking uh, earlier in the week. I think uh, I think with my brother, and we we're chatting about how the um, the games will be like for the crews that qualify. The games will be easier because they're already cutting out like half the medalists, um, yeah, or half the possible medalists. So uh, yeah, I just I'm really excited to to see the closest of the racing in the lightweight women's double. Yeah, and I mean, they're also, and like, there are a couple of, there are a couple of exceptions there. I mean, uh, the Belarusian lightweight women's double's not there. The French uh, double's not there. Uh, the USA lightweight double's not there. So there are, couple, there are a couple names that are missing from that list. But um, it's definitely going to paint an interesting picture going into World Champs because I think in this field, whoever wins this, this event this weekend is going to be favorites to in looking for World Champs just because of the stack, how stacked it is. And because you have the biggest names so far in the event. So it's definitely one of the more loaded events of the weekend. Yeah, so that's definitely uh, on the list of, of, of who to watch. And if you're not going to watch all the yeah. racing, definitely go and pick uh, pick that one up. Uh, Jakey, what should we go on to next? Well, I think uh, another another event which I've been loving this year, actually, uh, more, than, more so than last year, and it's, it's an event where a lot of different people have put their hands up so far saying that just basically making the intentions known and at the moment it's anyone's game and that's the men's single skulls and it's usually an event that if i think last cycle that becomes a bit cemented and you find you know the big big names winning by big margins and uh less there's less moving up and down the the hierarchy 
as the seasons progress. But this year, the men's single skulls has been ridiculous. I mean, we've had people winning, different names winning at the, the World Cups and at uh, European Champs. So it's going to be huge. I mean, uh, obviously, we've been talking a lot about Oli Ziedler, but he had a terrible performance at the last World Cup. And then you have Siri Nielsen had had a crack performance. Um, and then you have some returning names uh, coming back into the field. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah, Flip, man, I think it's going to be, you're, you're exactly right, though. This thing is up and down all the time, and it's really, really, it's anyone's game at the moment. There's a lot of, uh, I think a lot depends on the weather. Um, for this event yeah. at the moment because I think like really quick tailwind conditions obviously that's going to suit uh, Manson who hasn't really shown his form yet so I'm still skeptical to see what he does but I think if it is a big tailwind he's get, he gets a good uh, a good shot there I think if it's pretty neutral I think Ali Ziedler is he's the strongest person in the in the boat there or in the field so I think that that really suits him and then if yeah. it's uh, but if it's a bit rough then he's also at a disadvantage and then you've got like uh, um, just tons of, of other of other cats just boxing it in a roundabouts that like you know a final or the middle of the pack. You know you've got uh, 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 Damian Martin and you know it's just like it's just really cool because uh, you also got uh, Chetel Borsch as well. So these guys are like we know that they're fast. They haven't shown the speed yet this season, but I mean anything can happen. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at the entry list. I'm actually pretty disappointed not to see um, uh, Steph Bronick, Bronick from uh, from the Netherlands who came second at European Champs. And anyone that watched that race remembered that this guy had put down a, one hell of a race, almost beating Ollie. And I'm disappointed not to see his name on the list this weekend because, I mean, the whole Dutch team is here. And he's missing from this lineup. And, like, he's another huge name. And another another scholar that's probably missing that um, that's also a bit dis- disappointing is uh, Philip Avaku from uh, Belarus. He's he's not going to be there. And he's actually having some really good racing this year. It's great to see crews that um, have been around for a while and and rowers that are actually you know putting their hands up. And it just goes to show, like you know, if you keep training consistently year year and year and year, you're going to start doing well. So these are the kind of guys that have been training hard year on year on year and they're starting to see the, the results from it. Definitely. And like uh, you also have um, Sverry Nielsen. We haven't even spoken about him. He won this, the, the second World Cup. That guy is also ridiculously strong. I had a cracker race into that headwind at, uh, at, at Poznan. So, I mean, it's, it's really going to be tough. And I mean, even the semifinals are going to be impressive to watch here. Yeah, no, for, without a doubt. And uh, it's again, I mean, I've spoken about it in the past, but due to the, the nature that the men's skull, uh, the men's skull usually has so many entries, um, the progression is always intense for, for the men's skull. So you see, depending on how what kind of heat you get, you often see in the quarters and semifinals huge names going up against each other, and that really shuts down um, the the limited spots available to the A finals and the B finals for a lot of scholars that could maybe make it. So I think a lot of the scholars that are middle of the pack, you know, they're going to have an interesting an interesting time this weekend because there's there seems to be a big group at the front of the field, like a, a big group that can possibly make the A final, and there there seems to be a big group that's in the middle of the pack. And I think, like you said, those Olympic qualification spots, it's going to go in the men's skull. It's going to go down to 
having a, a, a cracker race in the quarter or the semi-final for a lot of guys to be able to get to the Olympics next year. And again, like you said, I don't even think it's it's all about the final. I know the Olympic spots to go to in the finals, but a lot of these guys, if if they have a, a shit race in the in the quarter or the semi, you know that's that's their dreams gone. So it's 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 another event that's ruthless on uh, on the progression. Um, yeah, flip, dude. It's really really crazy. I cannot wait to watch it and talk about the skull as well i want to go back to henley where i just want to mention um uh mahi drysdale skull race because he doubled up he read an eight and in the in the skull but his skull race was like absolutely dismal and i just wonder if he had he just hasn't spent any time in the skull since um since his selection into the eight and maybe he entered in the skull and just thought oh he'll just give it a bash you know he's won this thing six times so it's not like he's I mean, this guy's a god in the single, so I don't really understand like the what he was thinking about, like or, or what went wrong in his race, because um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a fact of like oh he hasn't spent time in the skull, so uh, he's not obviously you know wasn't ready for it. I mean this guy, I mean I back him against most people in the skull, even if he <laughs> spent ten years out the boat. So uh, I don't know what he what he was thinking. Maybe he was just so focused on the eight, and actually the skull was was not really a main thing for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, really cool to see him buy into the eight and then win it. And not a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of people that have won multiple events um, at Henley, especially non uh, non GB athletes. Yeah, no, I think uh, my head drive style is definitely a a stalwart of the uh, Henley regatta. It was disappointing seeing getting knocked out by a lead scholar, but dude, the the men's skull that thing is ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're off your game. You're gonna get you. You'll have a tough time going up against really strong uh, university crews, regardless of who you are. Exactly. Um, and I think everyone, everyone out there that's gone into the skull and has raced skull at any level can appreciate how intense that bloody boat is. And if you are off your game, if you haven't been in from the while, you're just gonna get destroyed. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, it just goes to show. But I mean, it was great to see him win. So I mean, uh, at least he went home uh, with a, a win in his belt. For sure. So um, I think that wraps up like the main races that we're excited to watch. I think like, uh, you know, we've discussed uh, the big ones, the eights, the skulls, um, you know, and I don't think like uh, the other events I think are going to be obviously really cool to, to watch and I'm excited to, to watch all of them. But um, I think it's more like there's just a few talking points on some of the races, not necessarily that the whole event is going to be like absolutely crazy. So like for instance, like the men's pair, I think that's a really that's going to be a really cool race to to watch but like there's not like uh, it's just the the main talking point is that Australia now changed their crew so um Alex Hill who r- raced in the stroke seat of the the Aussie pair he raced with um uh who did he race with there? Josh Booth in the in the second world cup and they swapped him with Spencer Tarrant who raced in the pair at Rio and in the four last year so that's like quite a weird switch I think it's like it's two it seems like it's two of the top uh, Aussie cats just swapping out so I thought that was quite a quite a weird uh, change to make because uh, I don't really yeah. know I mean obviously we don't know who's who's the who's the quick one in the in the in the in the selection and which crew they're trying to make faster just now they're making the pair faster so that's cool and it will be cool to to see the Czech uh, guys I mean the Croatians come back as well um, and, yeah. and see if they can uh, dish up some, some good racing that we saw last season at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, and um, I think it's a selection thing, to be honest. Yeah, I think they're busy he's trying to select who the who's going to be in the pair. I think the, they gave Josh Booth a, a run at the last World Cup. Um, so they'll see if, if Spencer can... I think the idea is to see if Spencer can make the point go faster. And you don't, you don't think that they, they're putting uh, Booth back in the eight because they need to make the eight stronger because at the moment the eights might not qualify. Uh, I don't think so because I think if they were trying to do that there would be more changes I mean how how much of a difference can one person make in an eight even if he's a thug <laughs> like it's one person and I, like I know I've said uh, I know I'm maybe a little bit being hypocritical talking about the massive influence of my hair and uh, Hamish are making in the New Zealand eight but I mean from, from going from one regatta two weeks later to another regatta swapping one athlete into the eight I don't know if that's going to make the difference that Australia need um, I mean I think maybe if they have a better regatta because they obviously you know they can be fast they won the silver medal last triple champs but I don't think it's 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 to strengthen the eight because I would you know, say I, like I would say it's for the, the qualification because yeah. you know I, I mean it really looks like they're trying to make a fast eight a fast four and a fast pair they've got a fast pair they've got two fast fours one we saw last year one we're seeing this year and now to like try and get keep those boats fast and make the eight just as fast I think that's where where the the coach is taking them yeah and yeah, then no, without a doubt but I mean they're going to have stiff competition they're racing against the Sinkovich brothers yeah and last time the Sinkovichs won, uh, won a regatta they had a more dominant performance I would say than the Australian pair yes um, so it's going to be interesting to see I think those Aussies are going to go uh, up like they did last time the question is are the Sinkoviches going to be able to run them down yeah that third 500 is going to be massive it's going to be huge to see yeah. who can do that first that third 500 properly um, yeah tops Jakey I don't know is there, I feel like that's the main talking points for me I don't know if, if you want to go into some of the other events um, no I think uh, the, the other thing I'd, I'd, I'm also looking forward to see is uh, in the women's skull um, obviously this, the big talking point this year is the return of Emma Twickens to see obviously she can uh, reclaim the form she had in the skull uh, around like 2014 when she was world champion seems like she's got it they are, we are missing Sanita Pespira which is a, it was just a huge name um, but for me it's going to be a huge race between Janine who missed out on last World Cup is racing now so it's going to be those. I think those two are going to be uh, big names in, in the field I think, I know you said, Lawrence said that he thinks uh, Emma's going to beat Janine. I think Janine is going to beat Emma. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think just, I think Emma is such a quality uh, athlete. And I think like she's messed up a few times. Uh, I feel like in her choices, like going into, like she missed 2015. And I mean, I know that these are these are big uh, choices to make and, and athletes make them all the time. But I think that was like a big cost for her because she won 2014, missed 2015, comes fourth in 2016. So, you know, maybe all of these nightmares uh, that she's had behind her really driving her on for, for this this cycle. And I mean, if she can put a good performance down this year and then carry it on to next year, I've no doubt that uh, she has the capabilities of being an Olympic champion. Yeah, no, without a doubt. So that's more where I'm going uh, on. Like, I don't know if she will win this weekend. I mean, I think I think she will win, but I don't. I feel like that it's not a done deal. But moving yeah. on to the to the future, it's the same as my my bold claims on Oli Ziedler, and that you know that people won't 
if he starts, if he keeps the progression that he's going, people, other people will not be able to to keep up with him. And especially if he can sort out some of his weaknesses, like that rough rowing, his start, you know, those are, are big things. And if he can sort that out, I think he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. But uh, interesting, an interesting weekend nonetheless. I'm really excited. I'm actually, I can't believe it's it's another World Cup, and it actually. It, it, I was just thinking about it. I actually, I actually think they should squeeze another another event, FIFA event, into the calendar. I think yeah. uh, the gap, the gap between World Cup one and World Cup two is too big, and maybe squeezing in a, another one between World Cup three and, and World Champs. But I think dominantly World Cup one and World Cup two. Uh, granted that you're going to have some decent entries. I think World Cup the entries were a bit lackluster, but. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I really am enjoying the, the, the racing that's been going on. I think you have to incentivize the racing. Like, I mean, I do. I think you must go away from, like, oh, World Cup 1, 2, 3. I mean, we spoke about this on many of the other shows. And, like, a lot of the quick-fire questions we cover, like, what should Visa change? But, like, the new spice up the other, the World Cups. Like, I feel like you got World Cup 1, 2, 3, and World Champs. And they're all the same. Same format. Same this. And, like, there's no... Like yes, that's the, the 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 essence of the sport. But like, imagine you had four World Cups. Two of them were were standard format, and two of them were like uh, small boats or sprints or something. And you're incentivized going to those regattas by I don't know um, a financial e- elements or you know a points thing and like uh, you know like the leader like the leader jerseys and stuff in the in the World Cup series. And you incentivize people to go to these things. I mean, imagine you had everyone racing. In small boats, skulls and pairs and doubles for this would gather. Then yeah. you take all these eights and everyone, and like just the racing, which is for me, would be insane. And like then you really get to see who is uh, performing at the the highest level. No, without a doubt, and I, you know they could do it. I mean, like obviously, if they, I feel like the athletes you have plenty of athletes, and if you break it down into smaller smaller boats, I mean, if you consider that there are eight people in obviously in an eight. And you just do the numbers and you, you calculate how many athletes are racing in the women's eight and the men's eight. And, and like you said, you break it down into smaller boats. You're going to get a monster progression system. And I mean, it just goes to show like it will work because at Henley, you have a disgusting amount of entries. And you could run a, a World Cup format sprints. And every single day, you've got knockout racing or progression racing. And you'll be starting with like, I don't know, like. You know, you would start with the most, you know, I don't know, the progression would be outrageous. I don't know how you'd get it right. And but I mean, you have the, you have the, this is the platform to do it. Like everyone wants to change, we don't need to change the Olympic Games. We need to change uh, our sport and the way people view our sport. And then like the, the World Cups are perfect places because I mean, you really have a platform now, World Cup 1. It's not really performing like... Uh, they didn't really gather the, the, the hype that we wanted, that I'm sure that they expected would gather. And now, like, if you just fiddled with that a little bit, change it up, see what you get, it's not like you can make that event worse. Yeah, no, so, without a doubt. Yeah, and I think that the there's nice lots to do there. Too, the nice thing about sprinting too is that you can do a couple sprints. I mean, you can do, uh, like, a max 500, take a break, do another max 500, and your, your difference, your margin is going to be small whereas a 2k is a bit different if you execute a max 2k you're probably not going to be able to get in the ring and do another one in the same level if you were honest with yourself but if you talk about 500 meters you can race a couple 500 meters 
and I think you would see more racing. It would be also we spoke about it in the past. It would be epic to see um, more crews doubling up and the best athletes in the sport being rewarded for being successful. Um, so yeah. Sheesh. On that bombshell, it's time to end. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Jakey. No, I really like Thanks. that. I think you summed that up really perfectly. And I think that does uh, conclude our, our, our episode today. And I think that really, I mean, that is what we would like to see from World Rowing. But that aside, I'm so G'd up for this weekend's racing. The only thing that upsets me is I'm not there racing myself. But uh, I think it's going to be a cracker weekend of racing and especially with all the like madness that's come out of Henley and like all of this you know spice and and just drama that that we know that the the, the world rowing scene can can dish up and i think it's going to be well evident in uh in this world cup yeah no i think you, you hit it on the head there and you know it's olympic season the the, the fever's running hot there are going to be crews that are going to be making the olympic dreams they're going to be more crews uh having the Olympic nightmares and, and getting shut down for, for, for the game. So it's a, it's a, going to be a cracker weekend within that context. But otherwise, besides that, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please share the show, get the, the news out there, you know, word of mouth, speak to your friends about it, get hold of us, uh, tell us what you think about what we're doing here. Yeah, I think that's um, a big one. Like, uh, just tell someone about our show. Tell another rower yeah. to go listen to our show, someone that will enjoy it. We know that uh, we can get more listeners out there and we need your help to, to keep the show alive, to keep it moving forward. So, yeah, just give us a hand. Tell someone about our show. Yeah, tops. And uh, besides that, cheers, guys. Have an awesome weekend and don't miss out on the racing. Yeah, and catch us again for the regatta madness uh, after the regatta where we recap how wrong we were today and how much more epic the racing was this weekend. Sweet, guys. Uh, you, you, you are definitely more wrong than me. <laughs> we'll see. Cool, guys. Okay. That's us out. Sweet. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye.